welcome to this podcast for established coaching businesses that cracked the marketing code and are now dealing with growth pains and operational challenges that hinder profitability and growth. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode and today my guest is Joss Willard, the founder of Profit for Coaches, and we'll talk about scaling profits in your training business. Welcome to the show, Joss. Hi, thanks Natalie, nice to be here. How did you get started with this business? Oh, goodness. So Profit for Coaches as a brand by itself launched in 2020. I've been doing coaching, training, and counseling stuff for 20, 25 years before that. And about half of my clients were coaches, but I never liked to get into the online coaching space because as most of us know, there's some ickiness there, right? There's especially in the days when the bro marketing was at its, at its peak and, you know, it was all pictures of jets and supercars and stuff like that. And in early 2020, just before the start of the pandemic, one of my coaches and mentors said to me, why are you not in the online coaching space? And I said, well, because I don't want to get any of the ickiness of the online coaching space on me. And he said, yeah, but the fact that you don't like that online coaching space is why they need you in the online coaching space. There are so many people when they start to get into talking about scale and building your businesses, the golden standard is 20% profit. I've seen people over and over again, once you build your team, once you're at seven figures, your take home should be about 20%. And I was doing the math on that and, and I'm, a, I'm a certified profit first professional. So I work with, with businesses of all kinds in how to build their, how to build their profit and, and being a coach and being in this world for as long as I have, I cannot figure out how somebody can be as low as 20% on their profit margin unless they're absolutely bloated and inefficient in the way their business is built. So in digging into all of that, it was pretty clear that, yeah, I did have something to say in this space. So the business Profit for Coaches has been around since 2020, and that's kind of how I stumbled into it with a nudge from somebody. It's nice that you mentioned the benchmark 20% of profitability. What are the benchmarks that you see with the training and coaching businesses that you work with and what are some of the levers that can help us dial it in? Okay. The benchmarks will change depending on what phase of business you're in. If you're a solopreneur coach doing the work by yourself, other than your, your payment processing fees, if you're running a website, your payment for your website, and maybe a few apps, you should very well be keeping 85, 90% of everything you make. That's that's what it is because, in that, and you're paying yourself for the work that you're doing in the business, right? So that's owner's compensation, owner's pay to use profit first terms. When you get to the point where you start bringing people in, there's a very broad, ugly rule of thumb that says for every full-time equivalent employee, including yourself, you need to be at $150,000 in revenue as a, as a service business. Like I said, it's very broad. It changes a lot depending on, on what you're doing and who you're with. Where I like to, to keep the percentages, I think at a minimum 25, 30%, regardless of where you're at, even if you're at the multi-million dollar stages and you're not actually doing anything in the business yourself, right? If you're doing any work at all in the business, then 30% is a minimum. And I think you can absolutely hit a, a sweet spot of 40% and be just fine. I think it's, it's absolutely doable if you're at all involved in the company. It really comes down to managing 
two different things. So I, my program profit flow, we talk about managing your cash flow and managing your time flow, right? There's, there's three fundamental resources you control cash, cash flow and time or money and time are two of them. And a lot of folks, basically we take the money that your business is running and we'll put that into buckets. Quick and dirty style is your first accounts, your income, or your first buckets, your income, just everything coming in. What's my total top line revenue minus whatever, what we would call materials and subcontractors. So the money that just flows straight through your business that doesn't stay at all. So if you're, if you're running ad spend for somebody else, every dollar you spend on that goes out on ad spend for them, that would go in that math. We, we pull that out on top. If you've hired a bunch of coaches that are, that are doing delivery for you, but, but they're not employees, they're subcontractors, what you're paying them would come out on top. So what we're left with then is your total revenue minus those mats and subs. That's your real revenue. So that's your top, what we would consider your top line. From there, it all goes into buckets. Those buckets are first and foremost profit, the money that's coming home to you as a reward for building a business. Second, owner's pay. That's the money that's coming to you, money or benefits that are coming to you from the business in exchange from the work, for the work that you as an owner are doing in your business. Third is taxes because you can't get away from taxes. And fourth is your operating expenses. So every other expense that you have to run the business. So there's just broad strokes, four buckets. Yes, you can break it down in, into more depth and more detail if you want to, but those are your broad strokes, four buckets. But then you got to look at time. Well, your time is 24 hours in the day. That's all any of us ever have, right? So that's, that's our full top line for time. But those go into buckets too. The first bucket for time is purpose. How much of your time in any given day what percentage of your time in any given day of those 24 hours goes to actually fulfilling your purpose. And you can do this for your business and for yourself. So if you're a founder, or even if you're, if you're in a management role or an executive role, what percentage of your time goes to purpose? If you're talking about the company itself, what percentage of the people's time? So if we have staff, figure out how many hours we have total in any given day that go to work for the company. What percentage of those hours are going specifically to fulfill the company's purpose, right? So that's, that's your topic. Next one is earning. So if you're doing it for yourself, and we'll, we'll stick to ourselves for now, what percentage of my time am I trading to my company in exchange for the money that my company is giving me, right? So is that six hours a day? Is that 10 hours a day? Is that 12 hours a day? And by the way, you'll notice that separate from, from purpose because everyone, not everyone, there's a lot of people who will say, well, my company, the work that my company is doing because it's a passion project, because I love it, that is my purpose. Eh, no, it's a tool to help you accomplish your purpose. So how much is going into the company in exchange for the money that's coming out of the owner's pay account, right? Then we have our tax account, which is the same thing. If you don't pay your physical taxes, your, your monetary taxes for your company or, per, or your person, the government's going to come after you. Eventually, there's a giant price to pay. They're going to take your company. They're going to take your assets. They're going to wreck your life. Well, the same thing with your time. If you're not putting the right amount of time for getting sleep, for taking care of your health, eating right, exercising, those types of things, what are, what are those things that you have to do time-wise in order to be living a good life in order to be here and be healthy. So that what percentage of your day is that? And then 
Lastly, we have your life investment account. So that's where are you putting the hours or how many hours you're putting into things like relationships, like um, enjoying life, the things that allow your life to be worth living. And so we, when we break all of those down, that gives us a really good idea. And for a lot of founders and a lot of executives in, in larger coaching organizations, it's actually kind of a, a punch in the face because they look particularly at the, how many hours am I putting in and how much money am I getting for it? And they realize that they're, they're trading time for money, which is a thing that we've been told early on as we're trying to scale, don't do. So those are some of the places that I will look when I'm working with, with clients and that you can look yourself when you're just looking at your own business, when you're trying to make it more efficient. Those are your signposts to go, how am I getting from making a bunch of money to keeping a bunch of money without burning through all of my time and health and emotion. So sorry, I was kind of a down the rabbit hole, but did that answer No, no, question? it was a very good one. Not just about the making part, but also the keeping part, which is everything that we're going to talk during the summit next week is going to be exactly about that. It's just like in marketing. People, lots of people on the lower end of the spectrum think about, okay, I need more traffic, I need more awareness, I need more attention and stuff like that. And like experienced marketers and growth people know that it's not just about the attention that you're getting, but what you do with that and all the conversion steps that can happen after they land on your website, after they come, even become your customer, right? There's like so many steps that can happen, retention, upsell and stuff like that. And the same thing here. So I love how you mentioned that. And in, in that marketing space too, with every system in your business, the question to ask isn't how do I add more? I mean, yes, we want to be able to do that. Yep, you have to add more to get to a certain point. But once you've outgrown the basic of how do I add more, it's how do I leverage what I got, what I've got? How do I make more efficient use of what I have? My time, my people, my leads, my existing customers, all of that. How do we make sure that our our system and our business is simple enough that we can leverage these things? And what I've found over and over again in 20 some odd years of working with businesses is we overcomplicate almost everything. The human mind loves complexity because the human mind is an, an incredibly complex organism, but we tend to like complexity. And so when we're like, we'll ask the question, how do I monetize my existing leads, right? If I've only got a, a 30% close rate on all of my existing leads, how do I monetize that other 70%? Okay, well, let's add a step to the funnel. Let's put in a secondary track that we can set people on. And then we need to put in a back offer and then a front offer and then like all these different things. And we suddenly we've created this, this giant complex funnel and we see our close rate of from new acquisitions drop from 30% to 10% or 15%. And we wonder why that happens. And it's like, well, you took what was working that was simple that actually moved people through and you made it super complex. Instead, you can just go, okay, what's a simple thing that we can do to take that 70% and keep them in the loop? and keep them running, right? It's, we just get so fascinated by how do we add? How do we build on? How do we make it more complicated? When instead, most of the time, especially if you're at that founder role or that COO role, or simplicity is almost always going to get you further. What, the question isn't, what can we add? The question is, what can we take away? Simplicity is almost always going to be more profitable than complexity. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned all of those buckets. Let's talk a little bit about the lowest hanging fruit, highest ROI opportunity kind of bucket. 
Are there a couple of those that you see primarily everyone will going to have some sort of problems or by fixing some of those buckets, it's going to get the highest yield? Yeah. The simplest one that weirdly enough is just changing the order of operations when we talk about the math, right? And this, this goes back to Prof First book by Mike Michalowicz, where he talks about the typical general accounting principles, and this is going to bother all the CFOs out there. The typical generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, GAAP, say revenues minus expenses equals profit. And okay, logically, mathematically, that makes sense. But psychologically as humans, what winds up happening is what comes last, what's left over, never happens. We have what we call the Parkinson's law, which says that our demand for any particular resource expands to meet the capacity of the resource. This is why when we say, all right, I've got two weeks to get this project done. It takes the entire two weeks to get the project done. We wind up doing it in the last day and a half under the gun, under deadline, et cetera, right? Whereas if we tell ourselves, I've only got two days to get this project done, it takes two days to get the project done under deadline, under stress, right? Because that's just kind of how our brains work. And there's another thing called the primacy effect, which says that the thing that comes first is most important. We put the most weight on the first thing we see. And after that, everything had, like if we're doing research, the first opinion or the first theory that we find that's what we put the most weight on. And then everything else has to disprove that or reinforce it. So when we say revenue minus expenses equals profit, profit is a, is a thing that's not important. It's a thing that comes last. It's a thing that never will happen because we don't prioritize it. And the business will grow and grow and eat whatever money is available, especially if you come from the school of reinvest everything into the business. There is nothing wrong with investing into your business. There's nothing wrong with building for growth, building for scale, with financing for scale. None of that. There's nothing wrong with that, except when it becomes everything goes back into the business. It's all about the business. It's all about growth. What we found is if you actually take some profit out to feed you, to feed your lifestyle, to help re reinforce who you are, help you have a positive life, we've seen our clients who do that grow faster than people who are on the growth model, right? So what we do instead, and this is the, this is the simple switch. What we do instead is mentally we change the math. So instead of revenues minus expenses equals profit, we say revenue minus profit equals expenses. So what happens then is we say, we're going to set, we're going to set a percentage. Every dollar that comes into our business, 10% of it. 10 cents off every dollar is going straight into what we call our profit account upfront. Then the business, the taxes, and me as, a, as the owner who's working in the business, we have to survive on the 90% that's left. We got to figure out a way to make, make that work. Where most businesses are at their most successful is when they're forced to be creative, when they're starting out, when they're bootstrapping, when they're coming up with, okay, how do I do this thing? How do we do that thing? How can we make this happen? We don't have the money to invest in an enterprise level solution over here. What can we do instead with, you know, that's a $10,000 investment. We've got $1,000. How can we make $1,000 work? So when you put those artificial constraints on the business, financially speaking, you allow 
and even force the business and the employees and everybody in it to get creative again. We don't want to be in starvation mode, but we do say, this is what you, this is what the business has to live on. And so just making that change of deciding, you know what, the business is going to have to live on 50% of our total revenues. That's all it gets. 50% for the business, 15% for taxes, 35% pays me and, and goes to profit. That's how it is. Now, realistically, you can't just take a business that is already in process, that's doing a million dollars a month or whatever, and is at a 76% operating expense. You can't just go, that's it. Cut expenses by 33%. We're going down to 50% up. Generally speaking, the business breaks. It's just like as a human being, if I'm existing on 3000 calories a day and I realize that I actually need to be at 2000 calories a day, that's what, what I should be at to not be weighing, you know, 250 pounds on my five foot 10 frame, right? I can't just go, all right, that's it. We're going to 2000 calories. That's what's called a crash diet, a starvation diet. Yeah, I might lose some weight pretty quick, but I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be dizzy, groggy, et cetera. And once I stop, if I go back to my 3000 calories a day, it's all coming. So the same thing with the business. Well, we can look at it. I can usually trim off about 10% of OPEX in a two hour sit down with somebody. We can go through and go, we don't need this. We don't need that. We can make this more efficient. Right. And a lot of that's just finding waste, finding things that haven't, that aren't really being used, that aren't like subscriptions that we've been paying for forever and haven't realized. But that's just 10%. And that's 10% of what you're currently spending. So if your OPEX is 72% and you go and you cut it by, by 10%, you're not cutting 10% total, you're cutting 7.2%. You can cut a little bit. And then you have to set a plan where quarter by quarter, we start tightening that down. We start finding ways to get more efficient with it. And we move that money to other places in the business. Some of it is into the owner's pocket. Some of it is putting aside for taxes because quite often, especially in the coaching world, we're bad at not saving our, not putting our taxes aside. So we just make those shifts gradually over time. And it can take, sometimes we can do it in as little as six to 12 months. Sometimes it takes 18 months. Sometimes it takes two years. It all depends on how deeply embedded those percentages are. But if you want a quick action that you can take like right now, that's going to make a difference. Set your profit. If you haven't already, whatever your profit is, add 1%. Because whatever you've been operating on, you can operate on 99%. Almost guaranteed. Once you've, once you've gotten past that, we're starving to death. We're, we, we've got to make enough money to survive, you know, started my business. Once you actually, you've outgrown the marketing challenges, as, you, as I think you said, once you're past that point, yes, whatever you're operating on now, you can take 1%, put it into your profit account and set your mindset around profit first. So it's revenues minus my profits equals expenses. And for the purposes of that math, taxes count as expenses, right? So that's one. The second thing you can do as a, as a sub of that is sit down and look at your OPEX and just go run through what I call the, the fiscally fit first five, just because we like alliteration. What are the five major places that you can look for savings? And the first one is capital expenses. Did we just buy anything big? Did we move into an office, right? And then over the course of the last two years, as we've, we've realized, or three years, we've realized that people can work remotely and I'm moving around a bit and stuff. How often are we actually using that office? Do we really need that office? Do we need as much of that office? 
can we sublease out some of it? Can we walk away from lease? Is there something we can do? So that's a major capital expense. If you don't have huge capital expenses, then you start looking at, okay, what are the subscription? What are the things that are coming out monthly every day? You know, subscriptions, services, et cetera. And can we either move them in-house or can we hire, hire an outside firm that can handle this because they have economies of scale that we don't have? Is there an outside group that we can get to do this for less than we're currently paying for it? So those types of things. And if you do that, all of a sudden you've created, maybe it's 7.2%, maybe it's 3%, whatever it is of additional money that you're not saving, that you're not spending on OPEX, move that straight to your profit percentage and start from there. It's simple to do it. This is where an outside person like me can help because we can just ask the cold questions and go, I realize you love this thing, but what's it doing for you? But if you, if you can sit down and, and have yourself or your team who aren't necessarily as, as emotionally attached to it, sit down and ask the questions, what is this doing for us? We can get that done. If you can't do that, if you're too emotionally attached, then it's not easy. There are the two first places that we generally look to bring money down or to bring expenses down so that we can bring revenues up. So I think you started talking about the exercise, the simple exercise anyone can do in five minutes to increase the ROI and profitability. The simple exercise that anybody can do in five minutes or less, that is writing out the, the boxes, right? So the buckets that we put our money in. So you just go, how much are we putting aside for profit? How much am I getting paid as an owner for the time that I'm, for the work that I'm doing in the business? How much do we put aside for taxes and how much is going to operating expenses? And then compare that to how much of my time every day goes for my purpose? How much of my time every day goes to the company? How much of my time every day goes for the things that I need to do to stay alive? And how much of my time every day goes to investing in resources like people and life and enjoyment, right? And what'll happen quite often is when you put those two things together, you'll compare how much is my business paying me versus how much time am I putting into the business? And that, that slap in the face will often go, oh, it creates awareness because so often you have business owners and founders in particular who think they can do everything, who think well, they have to do everything. And they'll realize they think they've built this lifestyle business and yeah, I've scaled up and I look good. I can take vacations and I can still do these things. I still have some lifestyle stuff, but then they go, but I'm actually doing 80 hours a week into the business. And the business is actually only paying me for that work about $10,000 or whatever it is. And then you realize, well, I'm paying my coaches more than that. I'm paying my managers and executives more than that. And all of that will, it comes into sharp focus. And so when you've done that, having that awareness all of a sudden makes you be very intentional about how you're investing your time and how you're investing your money. So once you've done that, then it's just a case of, well, what do I want this to look like? How much of your time goes to purpose? Well, there's 24 hours in a day. Let's just take one hour a day and, and decide that we're gonna put that into purpose, my purpose. And that purpose might be being a good father, it might be being a great spouse, it might be rescuing all of the dogs in the local area, you pick but it's something that isn't your business because you're already putting time into that business. But if you just say, I'm gonna take one hour a day and that's what's going in my time, in my purpose slot, 
and then block into your calendar that one hour. I mean, and maybe it's an hour a day, or maybe it's one day a week, seven hours, right? And block it in and protect it in your calendar and see what happens. You're going to start feeling much better about your life. You're going to start showing up as a more reinvigorated, energized, plugged in owner, director, founder, executive of a company. And that's actually going to show up and infuse your people. You're going to see a massive difference in your company, your massive difference in your people and a ma massive difference in your own life. So that's the other exercise that takes, did that take five minutes? Awesome. Joss, there's so many things that we can talk about. And by the way, do join us for the session that Joss is going to have during the summit next week. Tell us, where can people learn more about you and connect with you and how can you help coaching businesses? Um, best place to find me is profforcoaches.com. There you'll find our podcast, which is aimed at coaches and making their businesses more profitable. You can sign up for, you can subscribe to the to emails and we, we put out a newsletter that uh, gives tips and tricks for how to, how to make your business more profitable. And really what I do is I sit down with my clients in, we do have a, we do have a monthly mastermind type of group. So we have that program for smaller founders, you know, six figure founders or people who are running businesses that are, that are at a larger pace. So we can, we can put you in there monthly or I'll work with people one-on-one -on -one, or we do what we call profit days or what someone would call a VIP day. We're in the coaching industry. Let's, let's just use the terms, you know, a VIP day where we'll come in and we'll fix your business in a weekend. And, and what we do is we just take usually, depending on your number, depending on, on what size you're at, we usually take somewhere between 10 to 30% of your existing top line revenue and just move it straight down to your profit. So, and we do that while reducing the amount of time that you are putting into your business. So that's, that's how I help my clients. That's why we call it profit for coaches. Joss, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been my pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, Natalie. It's been a blast.